The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. It's good to have you here today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, we'll continue unpacking the Word and seeing what the Lord has for us uh, about the kingdom and how it moves and what we can learn from that and how to apply it uh, to our our church, like the church that we're a part of, and we're trying to listen to and seek the Lord's desire for us and, and make sure the kingdom is moving in the midst of um, who we are as a body of believers. Um, certainly, when it comes to thriving, um, I, would, I would have to say that it's good when things are thriving, right? Like, it's good that right now the Kansas City Chiefs are thriving. Amen? And we look forward to the game, you know? If they're not thriving, it's kind of like... I'm going to watch the game. We're going to get thumped. But when a team is thriving, man, like it's like we're going to thump somebody, right? And so that's what a Patrick Mahomes will do for you. So thank the Lord that, that the Chiefs have him, right? And so like when we think in terms of the church, um, like it feels like to me, uh, and, and it's not the first time this has happened. As a matter of fact, it's been very interesting. It's happened multiple times since I've been here. But it feels like something special is happening. It feels like something like the Lord is moving in a special way. And, and this has happened a couple of times and just wondering, you know, when, when, when the church is really going to break out and, and continue thriving as I believe the Lord has a desire for us to do. There's an old saying that some people make things happen, others watch things happen, will still others wonder what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's important that uh, like you want to be a person who's involved in making things happen. But when it comes to the church, um, you know, there's a, there's a real fine line there because uh, you can you can make things happen in the church and you can build a lot of, of organization and a lot of stuff that's going on, a lot of activity. And you can like it can appear like, man, something is happening and something may be happening. But really what you're doing is just spinning your wheels and it looks like like there's a lot of movement but really it's only in the wheels like nothing's moving beyond in the kingdom and so you you kind of have to be careful and say well how do you differentiate when when something actually is moving and it's not I think for me it's the Lord has to be really in that Uh, we use a a shape uh, in staff meeting the Lord kind of showed me this a couple years ago but we call it a, a momentum wheel and so we look at, you know, what, what is the Lord doing? And we start there. And we write in it um, a DM for divine momentum. And then we have uh, stories and new people. So stories of life change and new people the Lord is bringing around us. And we say, man, that right there is divine momentum. When grace is coming into a life, um, people are coming and joining around what's happening within our body, then we could look at that and say that. That is the movement of the Lord because we can't, we can't manufacture those things. We can't, we can't make that happen. Um, we might emotionally, I suppose, talk someone into making it look like it's happened, but we'll see eventually that dies out and the person fades away and they're no longer serving in the kingdom. But when the Lord is at work in, a, in the midst of a person's heart, um, nothing can stop that movement as they continue to listen to the Lord. And so we want to be very aware of what that is. And so we spin that out and say, okay, all of our momentum at OPCC needs to be wrapped around that hub of divine momentum. So we take that, that hub and we, we draw a big circle around it. Maybe one day I'll show you guys this. Maybe one day the, 
Uh, Corey will be generous and, and get me a whiteboard up here and I can draw some stuff. Probably not a good idea. Uh, I already have a hard time getting through my notes. Okay, so, so but we draw a big circle around the little one. So we got the DM in there and then we draw these spokes around it. And so we say, okay, what are the things for OPCC that we can wrap around that hub? And for us, it is the student ministry, um, the kids' ministry, um, the physical plant of the building, we feel like as a, a spoke that we have to give attention to, the preschool, discipleship is a major spoke for us, um, outreach events that where we're, we're doing things like softball with the Savior, and we're making sure that we have some things like that on there, uh, and then just reaching out and serving, um, just looking for opportunities to serve people that the Lord brings our way. And that pretty much lays out, that message spoke? Oh, oh, thank you, bro. Uh, he's in a good mood. He killed a giant buck the other day, right? Uh, yeah, he didn't tell everybody this, but I helped him do it. But No, I didn't. No, he, he did everything. I was just there filming. He was all on his own, so it was, it was awesome, though. Get back on, the, on track. Let me get back on track here. And so we got all these spokes, and so we fill them out, and we go, okay, this is where we want to stay focused as a body of believers. And that's important because what can happen is when you look at the stories, what you can do in the church is you can begin to, there's two options. You either you manipulate or manufacture momentum, or you leverage what's actually happening. And so our objective as a staff, as we try to lead the body, and, and, and with the, working with the leadership of the church is let's make sure we're leveraging momentum. Let's make sure that we're taking what the Lord is doing and we're leveraging that. And then we draw another circle over here in red that points against that wheel. And that's, we write on that, what are the obstacles that are impeding the momentum that we need to remove? So like this, so we're in staff meeting. But one of the things I'll ask is like, all right, we'll talk about a core value. And I'll say, all right, I want to hear stories of where the Lord is moving around that core value. And a significant portion of our time in staff meeting intentionally is taken to talk about those stories. Because it helps us to stay focused on what is really the most important thing. It is what the Lord is doing. And so then we work through some of that stuff. And, and then we go through our you know, typical agenda stuff that you have to do in any organization, calendar stuff, the fun stuff, right? Um, we go through all of that. And, and, and we'll ask this other question, like we're trying to deal with, what are some things that we need to deal with? Um, and so recently, things like we've got some special, a special gift came in. We're addressing the sound in the lobby. Like, amen. amen. <laughs> it's loud out there. Uh, and so we're, we're doing that. But like one of these things, like we'll talk about this week as far as an obstacle. We got a leak out there. That's an obstacle. That's an obstacle that fits in with our spoke of physical plant. That needs to be addressed. A guest comes in. They see leaking buckets and two cones. Not a good look for a church, right? And so we've got to address that. Um, and so, so we, we're looking at, okay, man, this, and you can take this, this thing and, and you, can, you can use it in your own life. You need to decide, man, what are the spokes around divine momentum? Is, is divine momentum at the core of your life? If you're a follower of Jesus, that's what should be there. And everything else around it, all of your, everything should, should attach to that. And you should begin to ask questions about how am I impeding the momentum of the Lord in my life and how can I leverage what the Lord is doing so that I can see more movement in my life. And so that I, when we talk about 
um, how the Lord is moving here at the church, the key again is leveraging that momentum, and the key to that is submission to the Holy Spirit. Like that's the key. Like anytime we can submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit as a body or as an individual, we will see more momentum established in our life. We call that lordship. It's called obedience. And so we talk a lot in the church about people getting saved, and people need to get saved. They need to come to know the Lord. But when you come to know the Lord and you're born of God, then you begin to love the things of God. You begin to love the things of the Lord. And so you begin to submit to Him in obedience so that momentum can happen in your life and movement starts taking place. As Jesus is moving, we are to be following and momentum is happening in our lives. And so when we think of what is the key for us um, to thrive, it's interesting what we find in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 13, is we see a thriving church in Antioch that we learned about. The church has now gone on. It, 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 Luke gives us an outline when Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost uh, part of the earth. And so now the church is beginning to move beyond Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and it's moving to the uttermost. And this church is founded in Antioch, which is going to be the the place, the hub from which it like, begins to spin out into all these other areas. And travels really is, if we connect it back, is how we are arrived at having a church here in America today. Is the people are like they were moving out of these churches. And they were being sent and they were being used of the Lord to accomplish something. So I want to deal with how do we thrive as a church and, and continue that momentum. We'll look at verses 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Here's the first takeaway. A thriving church has spiritual leaders. Like if you're going to have a church that thrives under the divine momentum that I've described today, then you've got to have some spiritual leaders. And this church was filled with worshiping people. Now, it mentions the, these men, and I think that's very important. So I want to kind of preach at the men a little bit today. Like everywhere you see the Lord is doing something, you'll see that men are involved in it. And sadly, in America, it's generally the wife that has to get the man motivated to step up and serve the Lord. Like if the Lord exists, he is worthy of our worship. And as men, we should be leading our families. And so as I lead my family, they learn to follow the Lord. And so that's the greatest thing. Like you think of all the sacrifices that you make for your family. There is nothing greater that you will make as a sacrifice for the Lord than to lay your life down for Jesus and for your children to look at you and say, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because it doesn't matter how many sermons they hear me preach. It doesn't matter how eloquent I am in my speaking. It doesn't matter how much God empowers me. If I'm trying to uh, teach a kid how to follow Jesus and he looks at his dad and he doesn't see it, the deck is stacked against me. But if he looks at his father and he sees it, then it becomes something that he can begin to pattern his life after because you are the most important discipler in your home. So as we look at this, we need spiritual leaders in the church. Now, what's cool about this is these men were all over the place. Like it, when it uh, mentions uh, Simeon called Niger, like the, the, I love how Luke does this. And Lucius of Cyrene, these guys um, have, uh, Lucius is from, an, uh, from Africa, Simeon uh, uh, called uh, Niger. He's a black man. Like it's multicultural. 
Like we see some movement. Like Then we have, uh, we have Barnabas. We know he had some wealth. How do we know that? Because he gave a lot of money earlier on in the church. Doesn't say, uh, we don't know much about um, Lucius and Simeon beyond. They were probably common people. Um, not like super influential people, just committed people to the Lord. Then we have uh, uh, Manaean. He was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. The guy that we talked about, that family last week. This guy was brought up in the home, much like Moses was brought up in the home of Pharaoh, and he went away from that. And so he knew, he was networked, man. He was a, a person of prominence. And we have uh, uh, Saul, who is also called Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was born in Tarsus. He's a Roman citizen. He's connected as well. So we've got different social, uh, different leadership abilities. All of this that's mentioned in these guys as, as the leadership of this church um, who are being used of the Lord. And, and so I, what, what I take away from that is that, well, I'm looking at them. What, what, is, what does it say about them? They were all proclaimers of the word, and they instructed people. Instructed them in what? Did he instruct them in how to be, um, you know, successful businessmen? How to um, uh, obtain financial freedom? No, they instructed them in the word of the Lord. And so what does a spiritual leader do? A spiritual leader knows how to proclaim and instruct other people in the word of the Lord. Now you see why that spoke in our ministry is discipleship and not small groups. Because we can't do both. Like we haven't figured out how to do both of them yet. And when we're going to go, well, what is more important? Teaching men and women how to instruct other men and women in the proclamation of the word and about what the word teaches us for our lives. That's it. That's, that's what Jesus told us to do. And so if we miss that one, like we're missing the whole mission of the church. And so as we get people who are learning how to do that and we invest in others and we invest in each other and we become more effective at instructing others in the proclamation and the, and the understanding of the word, then we are developing spiritual leaders. And the more of, 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 of you guys, get this, it's not like, it's not the it's not the staff, the more we thrive, the more the church thrives. It's the more you thrive. The more you guys thrive, the more the church will thrive. So, like, I can, it's kind of like, we could be as good as we could possibly be, all right? Forgive me, okay? Give me grace. I'm going to talk about Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to talk about our staff. I am not saying I'm the Pat Mahomes of OPCC, okay? All right? But, but it doesn't matter how good he is. If somebody's not down there catching those dimes, there's no touchdowns. And so it's everybody. And so in the church, it doesn't matter how good we do at leading worship, how good we do at preaching and teaching the word, how good we do at, at, at all of the things. If, if there's not some people out there catching and moving forward with the things that are being taught, then we can't really achieve the momentum that the Lord has for us to achieve. So it's not about um, the, having a, a staff that does everything. It's about having a staff that is, is really focused on how can we get the people to understand the freedom the Lord wants to unleash in their lives because that's when the stories will start to happen and you'll start to have stories about what the Lord is doing in your life and how he's moving in this person moving in that person and the momentum will begin to build and take off and so as as we walk even in that's why discipleship is so really cool is that as we walk in discipleship it's an opportunity for stories to happen all over the place and that's why I think the Lord said go and make disciples 
Okay, so that the first thing is we got to have spiritual leaders. Here's the second takeaway. Look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, a thriving church has a spiritual ministry. Now, if you look at other translations when it says while they were worshiping the Lord, other translations will read, because of the Greek behind this text, they were ministering to the Lord. They, who were they ministering to? The Lord. Um, the, the word teaches us to do everything that you do, work at it as unto the Lord. They weren't busy with shallow activities and programs. Okay, it's very easy. That's when I talk about that manipulating momentum and, and calling it a church. Is It's very easy to get caught up in a bunch of programs and just be running around and just chasing rabbits and spinning plates everywhere. And, and you're just really busy. These guys were not doing that. They were not busy with activity and programs. They were about the word and prayer. That was the singular focus of of their ministry. And it says that they were ministering to the Lord, not the congregation. Like That was the objective. How do we minister to the Lord? So even all my life as I've um, come into preaching the word, you know, I've, I've, I've... I don't have any problem saying bold things, like getting right in your face, okay? Now, you got Jimmy Holbrook at 49. You should have had him at 29, bro. Like, like that was a lot, like a lot more in-your-face stuff. Um, and so why do I do that? Do I do that to go, oh, man, I'm going to see how far I can push the people? No, I do it because I really don't care what any of you think. I'm preaching as unto the Lord. When I'm done today... Like, the only one I'm concerned with is, did I get up and say what you wanted me to say, Jesus? I'm not concerned with what the community wants me to say, how they want me to say it, what is politically correct. I don't care about anything like that. I care about Jesus. I'm ministering as unto the Lord. So everything I do, I want to do as unto the Lord. It doesn't matter if it's in, inside with the body or outside with the community. I want to do it as unto the Lord. It's not about an elite staff. It's about passionate followers of Jesus. So our goal is to please the Lord, not grow a crowd. It is to work unto Jesus, okay? So that's why we continue to lean in. And, and listen, man, with, on some of this discipleship stuff, we've leaned in on people, and guess what? They've left. But that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be faithful to the word of the Lord and to try to get somebody else to be faithful to the word of the Lord. Here's one thing that I know in walking out this discipleship model. I have zero fear of standing before the Lord, and he asked me, what did you do to help my sheep follow me? I'm going to say, I did everything that I understood how to do in the word. I asked them to do it, and some of them, Jesus just flat out would not do it. That's, 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 that's the bottom line is that some people just won't do what Jesus is asking them to do. And this is not a church, just FYI. (laughs) You've not come into a church where you're going to feel comfortable living that way. Like, this is never going to be that church, as long as I'm leading it. Like, I'm always going to be saying, what is Jesus asking you to do? Why aren't you doing it? And if I'm not doing that, then I'm unfit to serve in the ministry whatsoever because that's what a spiritual leader who is trying to grow a spiritual ministry does. And so what are we trying to do? We're trying to get all of you to think that same way. What's the most important thing? Not what Jimmy says, what Jesus says. That's the most important thing. And there are a lot of churches that grow and are very large, and they only live by what their pastor says, not what Jesus says, and that's why they're so messed up, and that's why our culture is so confused right now. 
It's because we've got a lot of people running around proclaiming to be Jesus followers, and they're not following Jesus anywhere. They're following some dude. Because that dude is not leading them to what Jesus actually taught. And so we, we see here, we're not a social group. We are a church. We are not a networking place. We are the body of Jesus. There is an expectation that we follow hard after him. So we see that a thriving church has spiritual leaders. A thriving church has a spiritual ministry. Now we continue in our text and it says, watch what happens when you have a spiritual leader and a spiritual ministry. The Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. Here's the third thing. A thriving church has a spiritual mission. It is focused on what the mission of the Lord is, and it is wrapped up in that. Now, get this. This is fascinating to me. A normal church, like you come in and you got this staff, and you go, well, man, we really see that there's a need down there. Um, the youth pastor has really come along, and he's doing well, and, and he's got a worship guy down there. Let's send him down to Lewisburg to plan a ministry, or maybe further. Let's send him to Arkansas, all right? And we're going to pay for that, and we're going to get him down there, and he's going to reach some people. That's not what they did. They said, let's take the two lead guys and send them. Now, why could they do that as a body of believers? Because they had effectively instructed one another in the word of the Lord. And so Paul and Barnabas had done such a great job. Remember when we learned a few weeks ago, Barnabas went to Tarsus to find Paul when he found out a revival was breaking out in Antioch. He brings Paul back, and they plant this church. And it says for over a year they, they ministered and instructed them in the word. And they were so effective at it that they left, and the guys were fine with it, and the church still just thrived. As a matter of fact, it was the church that was taking care of the original church back in Jerusalem because it wasn't thriving as much. Right? It's amazing to think about how they did that. And so they were so in tune with the Holy Spirit that the Lord could tell them what to do and how to do it, and that's exactly what they did. Spiritual people with spiritual ministries will always be spiritually led. And that's the kind of church we want to be. We're not, like, we want to go, what is the Lord asking us to do? What is he showing us? It's not just a few group of people trying to figure it out, but it's the body going, man, what is the Lord saying in all of this? And so um, we have to do the same thing as a body of believers. We neither want to be ahead of the Lord, and we don't want to be behind the Lord. Okay? Like one of the things I pray about constantly on my whiteboard is, Lord, when do we add two services? And it's such a difficult thing because uh, attendance here is, is kind of in, in, inconsistent, okay? But when we all come, like, the building's not full, but the, the kind of general rule in church ministry is when that thing hits 80%, you need to do something because people won't keep coming. They'll start getting uncomfortable. The lobby will be too congested. Um, different areas of the church, it just won't feel good. And, and so, like, I'm always asking, Lord, don't let me be ahead and don't let me be behind. Okay, let me know what is it right on time. I want to be right behind you in that. And so I'm, I'm always talking to the Lord about that. And then we have always, from the time I came here, I knew like one of the things that we needed to address was the exterior of the building. Like I, I meet people all the time, one, that don't know where the church is. Two, if they do know where the church is, as they come to the church, had, had coffee with somebody this week. And they said, yeah, I thought the church was probably a, a, going to be a lot more different than what it was. 
based on how the building looked, okay? And so the building is, the, the biggest sign you have in the community is the building. So I told the, the guys when they said, what would you do if you came? Part of that, it said, when, we, when I felt like the appropriate time and, uh, was there and we, we, could, we could manage it financially, we'd change the exterior of the building just to make a statement like, like this is what the Lord, like the Lord is doing something in this place. And so you guys know this. You, you've heard me talk about it, those of you who have been around. So we started this journey of working with an architect um, early on in the year. You've heard me talk about the the kind of the signage, it sort of started with the sign, and I met with the architect, and, and I was like, man, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to, we're trying to say and get this building to say, like, who we are on the inside, like the message, the hope of what's important to us. And so, <laughs> all right, so why haven't I come out with any plans? Because I don't know what to do. That's why. All right? So the guy, I tell the guy, man, like, here's where we'd like to be. Somewhere between 50 and 150. 150 at the top, 50 at the bottom. So we start the design process, and we're like looking at just the exterior of the building to try to change the function of it or the, the look of it. And so, um, we, man, we, you know how it is when you're working through something like that. We get a killer design. And like, I'm getting excited. Y'all know I'm getting excited. Those of you who've been here the last year, you've heard me talk about it. I was so excited. Uh, and so, because I'd given like this kind of parameters, and so he was excited too. We were moving forward, and we, we kind of did a couple more phases with it to see, okay, ultimately, if we finish this whole thing out, how would it impact the church? So we, so we did that, and, and, and we, we came up with a design, and then um, we, we said, okay, we don't have construction documents, okay? This is just concept. And so we took those documents with measurements and stuff and sort of put them out for bid, and they came back really high. And so I've been working back and forth with these guys, and ultimately, so here's where we landed. On the low side, 175. On the high side, 413. <laughs> All right, so let me show you a few things. This is going to be cool. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I decided it would, okay? Let's see. Here, so here's what we're looking at. Let's go ahead and dim the light so we can see it. That's what we have. Nice little church. Not pretty. <laughs> Next slide. All right, so this is the concept. This, this cross kind of is a metal cross. It's changing. So the different phases would be the main entrance and then over on the playground side kind of developing some shaded area and de dealing with the entrance on the back side. Next slide. That kind of gives you an idea of what that would look like. Next slide. Then on the, this side of the building as you came in, you see how it kind of from Metcalf is kind of changing the way the building looks. And then... On the front, we got some of these wood elements um, worked in there. Next slide. This is kind of a rendering of what it would look like. And then so we wanted to be able to um, have this thing lit up at night so that it could, it could make a statement, all right? So we could, we could change it with the sermon series and different things. The, the color could change. Next slide. So that's what it would look like wide at night as you drove by. And then you could do really cool things with, like this. Next slide. You could totally change it, all right? So we were excited, man. Okay, you can bring the lights back up. So what, why am I sharing that with you? Because am I going to take a special offering? No, I'm not. Like, I, I, I was like, that's, now here's the deal. Like, would we build that? If one of you walks up to me today and says, man, I, I'll, like that front part's 175. We'll do 100. We'll build it, okay? So whoever that is, you see me after service and we'll get it done. Uh, <laughs> But the, I, I don't know, like, we're I've talked to the leadership, and I've wrestled back and forth. I've been t laying it before the Lord, honestly, like, honest to God. 
Like, I know I could just get in this and go, we can do this. And we could. Like, we could do it. I, I know I could motivate you guys to do it. I don't know what to do. I really don't. I'm looking down at the kids' ministry. There needs to be attention down there. We're like looking at can the preschool fund some of the things that we want to do down there. Probably a, a $50,000 project to where the kids' ministry doesn't just look like a big room where they try to meet, but it's really a, an attractional place that the kids want to be a part of. So why am I sharing this with you? Because a thriving church has a spiritual mission, and right now, as a leadership, we don't know what to do, okay? And so, like, would you join me in, like, just praying? Like, what, what does the Lord want us to do? Um, do we need to shift gears totally? I, do we, I just don't know. So um, I'm looking for you to kind of lay it before the Lord with me. And, and, yeah, I don't know. So there you go except for that one guy that's going to talk to me after service. <laughs> so, so we wrestle through these things. And here's what we say. It's not about our preferences, and this is the big thing for me. What does the Lord want? Like, what does he want for us? Now, I'm convinced, like, it would, it, doing something like that, looking at that, it would dramatically shift our presence in the community. Like, it's hard to even get people geographically to know where this church is. And there are, there are literally like almost 100,000 cars a day that drive by. A day. Okay? And so, like, if you do something, then boom, obviously you're getting some, some attention. So we don't know. Do we go back and say, well, we're not getting any square footage for that? And that's, that's the, the difficult thing. And so do we change the exterior and, like, try to implement some square footage in it and spend a little more money? Do, we don't know what to do, okay? It's like, I don't think I can explain that any better, but uh, I hope you can appreciate the authenticity of who we are as a body of believers. Not trying to keep any secrets. Like, there it is. Um, I hope there are some spiritual people out here who will take that seriously and begin to talk to the Lord about it and, and see what you feel like the Lord may be sharing that we should do as a body. Um, and then maybe we can help make that decision together. So then we go on to verse 6. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, which means like son of the Savior. Isn't that weird? Who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. So the proconsul was like a Roman leader, like was in charge of this, this, this region. He was appointed by Rome. And so the proconsul, an intelligent man, a very intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear what? The word of God. So he sends for him. But Elimus, who's the same guy, Bar-Jesus, Elimus, the sorcerer, sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Here's the, here's the next thing. A thriving church faces spiritual opposition. Okay? This guy... He has a guy who works for him who's kind of mixed up in some weird stuff. Um, he's using his wisdom. He has, a, he has a position of prominence. He's using, he's kind of like the, the, the word that's used of him is the same words that's used of the wise men. But he's kind of doing it in an evil way. He's, he's accessing different things and, and sort of into sorcery. And so um, he, he, 
he, as he learns that his boss is wanting to hear from Barnabas and, and Paul, he's like, man, I got to stop this. And so he starts opposing everything and trying to turn the proconsul from the faith. So there's an intentional um, human presence here that is being manipulated and used by an evil presence to keep this, position, this person in a position of power from turning to Christ as Lord and Savior. And so when, when the Lord... Uh, when the Lord's people seek to advance his purposes, opposition is unavoidable. It always is, okay? Now, what we have here is we have ex- external and internal opposition. If you read down in the end, and I'll, I'll read it in the last sec- section of Scripture, John Mark is with them. He is uh, the son of Mary, a cousin of Barnabas, and he is like uh, one of their right-hand guys. He's assisting Paul and Barnabas in this work. And we learn here in a few moments that he abandons them. and He leaves. So they had the external uh, opposition from this guy opposing for, uh, the proconsul from believing. Internally, they have one of their key guys whom they relied on that's now gone. He just leaves them. And it, it, again, we learn more about that uh, later on as we go through the book of Acts. But what we see is that a false prophet tried to keep the proconsul from believing. All right, so whenever you're leaning into somebody and you're trying to do the work of discipleship and you're helping them to take a step, maybe move the needle in their spiritual thermometer, there will always be external opposition in that. Somebody will always be at work in that. The enemy will always be using um, people and, and influencers around that individual. And then internally, um, you'll have people doing the same thing. Now, I've seen this happen all my life. I've seen where a wife starts getting movement, like with the Lord, and like she's like, man, I've like, prayed with my kids for the first time, and she's getting on fire. I've seen this happen so many times. And a husband resists it and say, I don't want to go to that church anymore. And I've called it. You can ask Abby. I have called it numerous times. That couple is going to have problems in a few years. And I'm telling you, I've seen divorces happen. Why? Because internally in the family, there was opposition about somebody growing closer to the Lord. I've seen it happen in discipleship where uh, one spouse is getting movement and the other spouse is not supporting. And that's opposition. And we need to understand that just because we're in the kingdom doesn't mean that we never oppose because we can selfishly oppose things that the Lord is trying to bring about in the leadership of our family. And we don't even know we're doing it. We can internally oppose things in the church. And so we have to realize, man, whoa, like what am I doing here? Am I opposing the actual move of God? And so there's two things there. It's like if you're going through that and you're trying to get movement in your life and you're experiencing that opposition, what do you do? Do you chop that person off? Well, if you're married to them, no. <laughs> All right? If, you're, if, if there's somebody that like, fits more in the, the sorcerers the externally and they're trying to influence you negatively toward your spouse, sometimes, man, you'll have friends that are making you to be down on your spouse. Cut that person out of your life. Like today, anybody who speaks negatively to you about your spouse instead of about how you can help move in that that relationship and get deeper in it, they're not influencers you should be listening to. If you're in a situation where you're you're getting movement and and somebody else in your family's not, then be patient. The word says be patient. Let them see. Win them over by your, your pure and quiet life and submission to the Lord. Because nobody knows what the Lord is doing in your life better than the people that you live with. Like they can see it. 
And so you don't even have to get in arguments with them or anything. Just be patient and keep following Jesus. The same is true in ministry. When you're trying to fight for somebody and you're discipling them and you're moving them along and and you, you see opposition come, just expect it. It's coming. It's always coming in the church. And so if it's not coming, we're really not doing the work of the Lord because it's always described as a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities um, and, and, and uh, spiritual forces in, in dark places. Like in the heavenlies is where this stuff is fought out. There's always something. You're trying to lead your kids to, to follow the Lord, man. There's always something evil coming against that, okay? So just expect it. Don't get defeated and beat up by it because these guys didn't, all right? So then we, 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 we close this thing down and start to land the plane here. Then Saul, so this guy's opposing. Then Saul, who was also called Paul. Then why does they start calling him Paul? Just real quickly, let me throw this out. Because now he's starting to go to the Gentiles, and this Saul is a Hebrew name. Paul would have been more appropriate for the Gentiles, so we go from Saul to Paul. And he says, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, <laughs> Have you ever you want to see how confrontational the Bible is? You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. And so from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left uh, them to return to Jerusalem. So what happens here? Well, Paul, like, we don't have the apostolic authority that Paul has, okay? That was a special time for a special place. He is moved of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord leads him, and boom, he, he pronounces uh, the Lord's sentence on him. What's ironic, you know what's ironic about that? What he sentenced him with is the same thing that Jesus sentenced him, Paul with. He said, hey, you're not going to be able to see for a time because you're not thinking straight. And that's what the Lord allowed Paul to execute. Man, how encouraging was that for Paul? He's like, the Lord must be thinking that I'm thinking straight now because he allowed me to do that to somebody that he did to me. And so his life was turned around. The second thing is the proconsul believes, man. And so it appears that the proconsul believes because of the miracle, but he doesn't. It says he believes because he is amazed by the teaching of God. Okay, so what we have is a thriving church has experience or experiences spiritual victory. Okay, so we, we do face opposition, but we also experience victory. So Paul had had enough of this magician's madness. He calls him out and um, Satan's tool was silenced and Sergius Paulus was saved. So the Lord is always moving, and when we're facing opposition, we have to know, man, the Lord is in this. He's not going to leave me alone, and breakthrough is coming. And so just expect that the breakthrough is coming and whatever it is that the Lord has asked you to fight over. And, and, and I want you to be encouraged in this. A thriving church or a thriving believer has battles and bleeds, but it also has victory. And sometimes it just takes time, okay? Like, I, I long for the day that our church, and, and you, why do I, like, I long for the day that our church is seeing people come to life spiritually. Like, like I'm talking about consistently, where we're scratching our heads and going, man, the Lord is at work. Where the baptistry is full, and it's not uncommon for us to baptize 15 on a Sunday. Now, why do I long for that? Because I've been a part of it before. 
Like it's one of the greatest experiences on the planet. It's the eternal work of God. And the Lord is moving, man, and all you can do sometimes is just sit back and weep because you know it is the hand of the Lord moving in the divine momentum. So I've, I've longed for that day since I got here. Okay, and we, we've seen some victories along the way. But I've had to continually press and continually move and continually believe and continually hope that the Lord is going to let you guys experience, let us all experience that together. And, and, and there's been a lot of blood. There have been days that I felt like, man, I can't do this anymore, Lord. Like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I, don't, I, I just, like, I don't know if you still want me here. Like, just authenticity. And, and then the Lord will bring a victory. The Lord will bring a breakthrough. And I said, man, the Lord is in it, man. The Lord is in it. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I'll just keep on keeping on. Keep on moving. So, like, man, I, I'm telling you. Uh, so you go, well, what are some of the, you, you've talked about some of the challenges. What are some of the breakthroughs? Like, you guys are breakthroughs. We used to fit in the lobby. There was 25 of us. Like, Shay and Molly are breakthroughs. It's a breakthrough to have a brother come alongside of you. And, man, you feel like, man, I, like somebody else believes the Lord can do something here. And so each time the Lord sends somebody through, it is a breakthrough. And I, I, I look out at that and go, man, the Lord, is, he wants to do something special with this body of believers. And, and I don't want you to be discouraged when we face opposition. I want you to be encouraged and to know that eventually spiritual breakthrough and victory is coming for OPCC. So what is, what is the big idea? thrive that's it like thrive don't survive be one who thrives in the kingdom of god a gathering of faith-filled believers they 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 when they're thriving they can change the city and see people not religious but discipled in the ways of the lord like they start walking, following, and, and being obedient. So be a spiritual person, have a spiritual ministry, live a spiritual mission, face spiritual opposition, and experience spiritual victory. OPCC, let us thrive. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.